missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, to the footy fans podcast this is episode eight and uh boys got a cracker of a week here we do got a lot of talking points a lot of talk about some controversy well, a little bit of controversy VAR stepping in again it's gonna be a really meaty show today i mean i feel like every episode like i lead off by saying we have so much to talk about but it's so That's true just, like, yeah. I'm not, it's not like it's scripted it's just legit so much to talk about no it's like we, we said earlier today it's like every weekend it's almost like a massive must-watch game um, that kind of tells the tale. So um, with uh, Champions League this week, maybe there's a little bit extra, but um, definitely a lot to dive into here. Yeah, we're excited for it. Um, the biggest match of Champions League for this current week, obviously, boys, it was the PSG Man City game. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought it would be more exciting maybe than it actually was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, more storylines coming out of it. Obviously, the big one was Messi getting his first goal for PSG. Yep. Uh, very timely goal. Yeah. And, yeah, I thought this game might be, like, more back and forth. Uh, the possession stats are kind of slated towards Man City. And, obviously, with PSG scoring their, their early goal, uh, they were kind of, you know, forced to play more defensive and kind of counterattack. And City's used to playing that style mm-hmm. of, you know, being the aggressor. But I feel like in this one, Man City had a difficult time actually penetrating the PSG defense. Yeah, and you know, there's a couple of things that stood out for me. Um, PSG's first goal, on one hand, you could say it was sloppy defending from Man City. Um, but again, you know, you put a ball in the box, going to cause havoc. Um, I do still think they could have dealt with it a little bit better. But um, they got the go-ahead goal. But I was thinking about this. You know, we can say how Man City had trouble penetrating. Um, but I wonder how much of that is a compliment to Man City where they constantly put teams in positions where they do have to park a little bit. Uh, and they're constantly pressing, constantly pressing, and trying to find a way through when teams are really just relying on, hey, you know, we're just going to sit back and counterattack. And then in this case, PSG, it worked with Messi. Pick up the ball in some space. And I got a little excited when he picked it up. And oh, went, yeah. And, uh, went on the counter and scored, but yeah, I mean, they did have trouble penetrating, but, um, you know, kudos to them for putting a PSG in a position where they felt like they had to score on the counter. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's strange for me with city. I'm not sure why they struggle so much against the bigger teams to break them down. I know it goes, it's kind of cliche to say, cause obviously they're massive teams, <laughs> they're big teams and they are, they're really good. But for me, with the talent they have, even against a PSG, if they want to win, they need to find a way to be able to break those teams down much easier. 
because even against Liverpool today, <laughs> yeah, they struggled to you know open up some space and break them down. It was it's very very difficult for them. So I think if they want to win Champions League or have a chance to win, they have to find a way where they can break these teams down more easily. Because it feels it almost feels like they're banging their head against a brick wall over and over again. Yeah. Versus being very threatening, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about that as well. Um, you know, I was going to make a note how City have to be able to penetrate and really create chances against the big teams. Um, I think you could really say that about a lot of different teams. But I feel like in City's case in particular, some games they just struggle to create a lot of chances. And I think that's something they're really going to have to sort out. I don't know if that's the case where they're missing Aguero, um, especially when he, he was in his prime, where you know it felt like no matter who they played, you know they were going to create chances. So that might be a case of them missing a striker right now. Well, I feel like also in City's case, like you said before, they're so accustomed to being the attacking side. And, you know, they for them to have 75% of the possession at a time, it's nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. Or 70% of the possession, whatever you, whatever you want to say. But I feel like when they do go against bigger sides like this, like a PSG or Liverpool or a Chelsea even, I think like when you go against a bigger side that have class defenders that know how to keep their structure and, like, well-coached teams, they do have a hard time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if obviously they're playing against a, like a team like you know Watford this season or a team like Norwich or something, their defenders don't match up to the caliber that of the attack that City has. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're going to have all that possession, plus they're going to be able to create chances on mistakes and being sloppy. But when they do face tougher sides that are, you know, at the same caliber or, you know, at the same level of play as them, I think they find it difficult. And I feel like PSG, even though there was a lot of crosses into the box, they dealt with everything pretty handily. Right. I mean, they yeah. did have a couple chances where Sterling, you know, he probably should have scored off a, off a header in the first half. And Don Ruma did come up pretty big sometimes. It did make some timely saves, but they weren't cases that like PSG seemed really threatened. Yeah. And at no point did I really think like, oh my God, City's going to score here and then go up ahead. And obviously Messi kind of put the game to bed with that world-class goal he got for, uh, yeah. for PSG there. Kind of just exemplifies what Messi's all about, you know? maybe a little bit quiet during the game, just picks up the ball in space, and he's obviously the last player you want to leave the space. And he just starts running at defenders, does a quick give and go. And the fact that he was able to place that with pressure, you know, Laporte is all over him, and just, it was funny, he got the ball in that position. I've, I had the feeling that there was no doubt that I was going to go in once he had time to shoot. Um, and lo and behold, it did. So he's just he's just showing that he still still has it, um, even with his big move, and we'll see if he can keep it up with, with PSG. Yeah. One one thing I was just gonna touch on. We haven't already talked about this. If if almost kind of feels like City has no plan B, if that makes sense. Yeah. I know what you mean. You know, if they're if they go to try and break down teams and they're getting frustrated, it's like they'll just keep doing the same thing until they make a mistake. That's Chelsea of last year. Yeah. <laughs> the most Chelsea before Lukaku. One of them, or even before before Tuchel came in, it was one of the most frustrating things to watch because like, at, just last year in particular, they, that was the first season with, with uh, Timo Werner and they just tried to like use him in the wrong ways and it was game after game. They're just trying the same thing. They couldn't score. Obviously, they had a poor start to the season, you know, case in their point, case in point, they're manager being fired halfway through 
but obviously with City, that's not going to happen. Um, but no, as a, as a spectator, as a fan, it is difficult to watch because like you expect these teams to score every game, right? And with the class and caliber of player that City has, I mean, got to find game, a goal. The game today shows how quickly they can they can score, but yeah. Um, no, I mean, in this case against PSG, it was. Um, I mean, I give credit to Pochettino and and getting his team ready for this game. It's probably the biggest match they've had this season so far. I think they're six and zero or seven and zero so far in the in the league there in France. So clearly their biggest test and they, um, they're able to, to live up to the hype and yeah. get ready for this game. So we had a little bit of our controversy in this one. Um, both kind of involving Milner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's the one talk. No, no, we're talking, about, we're talking about Champions League. We are. Well, I did want to talk about Milner with uh, Liverpool and, uh, city when you talked about them today. Oh, okay. Because, um, but we can touch on that later because I want to get into VAR. Oh, yeah, we definitely will have some VAR talk. <laughs> it wouldn't be a footy fan show if VAR wasn't in, you know, front center of uh, the discussion. Right. Um, not quick, we'll just wrap, uh, we'll wrap Champions League first and then we'll get into a juicy, um, Premier League talk today. Uh, Chelsea and Juve, the other kind of premier match of, of match day two in Champions League. Uh, I feel like in this game, Chelsea kind of came out the same way that City came out against them previously in the cha- in the Premier League, where yeah. where they were very dominant. Um, I mean, I think like coming off the loss that they had to Man City, this was like their bounce back game, and obviously their first game since. So Tuchel made some adjustments by um, by bringing in like uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek off the bench and Kalamazoo Doi on off the bench, more of attacking roles. Um, earlier than I thought he would. But again, Chelsea just couldn't solve the tough back line that Juventus uh, provided. I mean, we know that Juve is obviously a historic side in Syria, and they take defense very seriously there and kind of pride themselves on it. And they've had a difficult stretch of the season uh, in the Syria, but I feel like this game might also be kind of their turning point because to be at home to Chelsea in Champions League off like the defending champions and keep them to having no goal scored and, you know, coming out the victor of this match, that's huge for Juve and kind of crushing for Chelsea. Yeah. And they obviously um, had to carry that on to the Premier League this weekend, which we get into later. But this game here, it was just very difficult to watch. Chelsea put a lot of pressure on them. Um, almost every chance was kind of, you know, pushed away by Chesney or didn't even make it to the back there because Juve is playing a high line. And uh, came out at halftime and... Whatever, um, whatever the coach there said to uh, to the players at Juve, they you know took it for granted and scored ten seconds in the second half. Yeah, and kind of sat back and defended uh, the rest of the game. Yeah, I was I was honestly a little surprised uh, with this result, um, but it just goes to show you know um, classic Italian defending. Um, it's one of those things where defense wins champions championships. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously a big blow for Chelsea. Um, you know, this early on in the campaign, getting a result like that. So we'll see where they take it from here. Because being defending champs, I think you gotta. These are obviously the type of games you have to win. Um, especially with Juve, who's been struggling in the Serie A this season. So we'll see what Tuchel does next uh, as the campaign goes on. Well, I was. I'm shocked that both these. I really thought Chelsea and City. 
we're like the top teams mm. in Champions League right now. And I don't know what I'm actually shocked that Chelsea Juve, to be yeah. completely honest, was not. I thought for sure, if anything, I was expecting a draw and like you've had to park the bus and frustrate Chelsea. But I was really expecting Chelsea to you know, go two, three up easily uh, against these guys. So I'm shocked about that. Very shocked about City. I thought for sure they'd be able to handle PSG. You know, was not expecting <laughs> PSG to have a walk in the park, even though they are at home. So we'll have to see. I guess this kind of opens the floor. You know, it's really anyone's, uh, you know, anyone's trophy at this point. Right now, I would have to put money on Bayern. Yeah, I agree. You know, with that's what, safe money. <laughs> with what at they this did, point, to, yeah. with what they did to Barcelona. You know, because obviously with this, Chelsea's not convincing. City, I'm not entirely sure. They haven't won it yet. So, you know, very tough to see either of these two. Like, I know it's still early. It's just one game. But I would expect both of them to win this type of game. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea for sure. I feel like the Man City and PSG game was obviously a lot more evenly matched and kind of a clash of titans when it comes to uh, Champions League. But... Yeah, the Chelsea game is very frustrating to watch. I mean, I was obviously frustrated from the previous game against City and how they played and just literally created nothing. Yeah. But this game was even more frustrating because they actually did create stuff and did have more opportunities, but they just couldn't score. Yeah. Like, they couldn't finish. Um, Lukaku was getting barely any touches again for the second game in a row. He was getting frustrated. Players were getting frustrated. Tuchel was getting frustrated on the sideline. And this is also a game that didn't have Morata or Dybala playing in it for Juve. And they were yeah. still able to come up with the win. Kay's had a huge game. Uh, He's always. <laughs> I, I mean, he knows, on Chelsea. he knows when to show up, right? Like, he knows yeah. when to, you know, the spotlight's on him and he can really perform. So, yeah. I mean, credit to how Allegri had Juve set up. Um, Yeah, like like Joe said, like it's going to be tough going forward, taking a loss like this. You never want it to be this early in the competition. But that being said, this early in the competition, you do have more games still remaining to bounce back. And, yeah. you know, they got to have three more, so. Hopefully they can come with positive results from that and be able to progress into the uh, the next round. Yeah, I mean, just to mention about the finishing chances just in general, I think that's probably the most frustrated you could be either as a fan or a coach or a player because really, you know, creating chances is obviously aside from scoring, but creating chances is really, you know, after you get to that point, really it's just up to your team and especially your strikers to just put those away. And, you know, you can do a million drills and training. Um, but when it comes to game time, that's where you have to have the composure to actually finish off your chances. And I think it's one of those things where it's really tough to coach. It's just how you are as a player. So if you're constantly creating chances and you can't finish, it's it's kind of gets to the point where it's like, all right, what else do we have to do type thing? Because obviously tactics are working. Your positioning is all working, and you're just not doing what uh, you're supposed to do as either striker or as a team to put the, the game to bed. I don't know, it's, it's like demoralizing, and like you're trying to look for different ways, and like who's going to step up and contribute. Yeah, but if no one can fill that role, or your manager doesn't make any adjustments mid game, then you're just like stuck doing the same thing over right. and over and over again. And then the defense is like, okay, thank you, come at us again. We're just going to knock it out of here, and yeah, you know, restart the whole process. So. I mean, I've been in that role. I mean, I'm sure you guys have also been in that role before where you just can't yeah. solve a de- uh, defense or you can't solve, you know, like a, a formation or something. And Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge uh, huge pain in the ass. It's one of the most frustrating things as a player, you know, playing. 
creating a chance every five minutes, a good scoring chance, you can't score, game ends 0-0. It's, it's extremely frustrating. Well, talk about a team making a bounce back. Uh, Manchester United versus, versus Villarreal. Man, you really had to make a bounce back, obviously, after that taking that loss of uh, young boys in like the 93rd minute, whatever that was, in the uh, in match day one. So they kind of were behind the eight ball from the get-go. And uh, you know, I think I've given David De Gea a lot of criticism the last couple of seasons with his performance at Manchester United. And obviously with the talk of him joining Real Madrid or going somewhere else, right. have been floating around forever. And I was kind of one saying, okay, then just go. Because like I think he overstayed his welcome a little bit for United. I think they were trying to shop him. And I think it was a good time a couple of seasons ago because I think he was still at his peak in his prime. And... Yeah, I've been a big critic of him the last couple of seasons, but this game in particular, even though they did allow the one goal, um, this game I think he played outstanding, yeah. and he made some huge saves for them, very timely stuff, um, and yeah, I think this might be a good bounce back game for him as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because I remember that whole ordeal with De Gea when he was about to go to Real Madrid, and there was something with obviously the paperwork. Went through at like twelve oh one, had to be in at midnight, so the transfer didn't go through, and he was just at United, and he's been there ever since. Um, I remember then he was he was probably one of the top goals goalkeepers in the world at that point. He was just doing super well for Man U, and since then it's kind of just been, you know, obviously a decline in his skill, but you know, good for him stepping up in Champions League. But it's hard for me to talk on Man U in this game because a lot of their performance in the weekend this weekend has a lot to do with what happened in this match with what uh Oli said on what their tactics are with player rotation um so i can't wait to get into that later but i didn't see that so you know manu wins this game 2-1 you know ronaldo scores a huge goal for them um this weekend comes ronaldo and pogba are both starting on the bench yeah so you know i do get the sense where you want to you want to rest players and um, you want to have a rotation in your team. You know, obviously you want to get more players playing time, more players playing time. But, you know, you come off this massive win. Your players are obviously on a high. No player is like, yeah, I'm okay with resting. You know, every player wants to play. You know, obviously as a coach, that's where you have to manage their actual fatigue and whatnot. But you're going to an, into a massive game against Everton, you know, Everton's having a hell of a season so far this year. And you're going to rest Ronaldo and Pogba right after this huge win. And then, you know, obviously they, don't, they didn't get the result they wanted. So yeah. I I am for a lot with player rotation. Um, I think City obviously do it really well. I don't think Manu is in a position where... You have a massive game. Players are on a high. You're going into a big game on the weekend, and then you do a player rotation with two, arguably your two best players. I don't know. That's really that's really tough for me. Uh, not sure why. You know, if they were going to play against, you know, Watford or someone, you know, towards the bottom of the table, then yeah, that would make sense. But you know, this is a, you know, you say every game is a must win, but when you're playing a team that's right next to you in the table, I would never opt to put your two best players on the bench. Yeah. Was it, do you know if it was his call or, I mean, assuming it's not Ronaldo and Pogba's call. No. Yeah. I highly doubt I'm, it. I agree. And if you're going to rest them, I don't know, if it's a game you have to win, 
like Pep, for example, he has a great play rotation. But if he needs De Bruyne, De Bruyne's going to start right that game. You know what I mean? And if he's fatigued, he'll come off later. You know, but I think it's way better to start them if you need them in a game, especially this game. You should have started Ronaldo and Pogba, and if they were fatigued, then you can always sub them off later, right? Right. I don't see if they're ready to play. Like Ronaldo's a machine; he's not. You can play two games a week, probably, especially in his number nine role. So I don't see much value right. in that. In the game today, they they did both come on as as substitutes, but they came on early too. Yeah. Well, Ronaldo came on in like the sixty fifth minute, I think. Right. Oh, no, sorry, fifty fifty fifth minute. Yeah. So like ten minutes for Cavani after the second half. Clearly, Solskjaer didn't see what he wanted out of him. In comes Ronaldo. Yeah. Pogba, same thing. Seventieth minute, Fred comes out. Pogba comes in. So like, I yeah. get. I get resting some players here and there. I'm a huge proponent of like, if you if your squad's fit, you're playing. Yeah. Like if your best squad, if your best eleven is fit and ready to go, no knocks, whatever, no illness, no injury, you're starting in my game. Yeah. Because like every game's huge. Like we said before, like you should, you know, win every game would, would be ideal. Mm-hmm. But you have to put the team out there to produce to win every single game. Right. Yeah. Um, and in this case. You know, against Villarreal, they did get lucky again. Maybe yeah. let's call it lucky. Ninety-fifth uh, minute goal from Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, I'll just I made a note saying that Alex Tellas scored the the equalizer goal for United. Yeah. This is his first goal in twenty six appearances for him. I know he had an injury last season, so that kind of took him out of the play for a while. But good to see him getting the squad and getting uh getting a chance to play and actually contributing with the goal, not just defensively. But yeah, Ronaldo, man, like. Just being Ronaldo. <laughs> took like what? He took one game off, and that's what it was. Like, yeah. He didn't score, and then comes back and scores this in Champions League. Yeah. I mean, like you can't count the guy out. No, never. He's obviously he's still got it. He's scoring, and I think, like I said before, this is. <laughs> I feel like the more of the goat conversation is going to happen between him and Messi now, since they both had this big yeah. move, right? And um, especially with Ronaldo, he's doing all this. Um, in the EPL versus Messi being in uh, the French League. No disrespect to the French League, but um, Ronaldo getting all the goals he's scoring, you know, against some of the best teams in the world, most competitive league in the world. It's really uh, making the argument tough between Ronaldo and Messi at the moment. I'm because I was all I was all for Messi all the time. Yeah, so was I. And now it's just man, but like he just went back to the Premier League, he's just getting these goals. I don't even know, like, oh, does he only score, score scrappy goals? But I think it's just his ability to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it's just his knowledge of the game. It's right? his knowledge of the game and his athleticism to always be in the right spot just to get there. And, yeah, I'm not sure. We'll have to see how things transpire, how Messi does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to be tough for Man U to win Champions League. Um, I think a big telltale sign for me is going to see how they do in the Manchester Derby. Um, that's going to be big because I still don't know how Ronaldo's going to do when he's playing against a team that's going to have between 60 and 75% possession, I would assume. Um, so we'll see. You know, it's going to be big to to see how he does with very little service. I'm assuming he's going to have a little service against City. Obviously, we're not going to know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just going to... It's really going to 
make a stamp on where Man U's at against obviously the big clubs. So I do still think it's going to be tough, but you never know what can happen. Ronaldo could just decide to have the game of his career, score a hat trick, and then win Blondor. <laughs> yeah, he could easily do that. Uh, I mean, looking at the Champions League uh, at the group stage here, I still feel like United, even though they are in third place and they that whole group is still kind of tight in a way, I think they are still favored to come out of it on top. Yeah. Or maybe not on top, but at least in the one or two spot. After that, though, when you start getting into like the real nitty-gritty of the competition, I do feel like their depth might come into question. Yeah. I mean, we talked at, at length last weekend about um, Jay and Sancho and Lingard not getting opportunities. Right. And I think, I mean, I could be a dead horse, you know, forever. It's going to be the same conversation. I think they should be playing a lot more. Yeah. And, I mean, they got Atalanta next week or next uh, game, sorry, for Champions League. Maybe that's another game that they could step up and play. But it's like you have to give these guys the opportunity to perform and like to get a few games under their belt in order to develop them, obviously, and then give that depth a little bit more oomph going forward. Yeah. Because like if you just keep playing guys like in, in games that are like pointless games, a game against Crystal Palace, a game against Norwich, a game against Newcastle, whatever, those aren't really competitive matches. Yeah, they might play really well, but they're playing against sides that aren't as competitive. So when yeah. you kind of like you said Santo last week about throwing them in the fire, like right into like the heart of the games, that's going to really develop how your bench develops. Yeah, and I mean, we know what we've seen it every every season. Match week twenty six, match week thirty one. There's injuries coming into play. Yeah, you're getting out of the Christmas break. You're getting deeper in competitions. This depth is going to come into play, and we've seen it before. Not always the most skilled teams win. But the most fit, the injuries, the teams that you know do get a break once in a while from injuries, and the teams that are really really deep, are yeah. the ones that come out the victor more times than not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to you know them having Pogba and Ronaldo on the bench. You know, you you want to develop a deep squad so that when you get to maybe these big games, you have a player rotation where. It's okay if those two sit on the bench, but with how, what Man U's been doing, they're not in a position where they can start Pogba and Ronaldo on the bench for a big game. Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't been developing, you know, players like uh, Lingard and uh, Sancho up to this point. So now it's like, all right, you guys been sitting on the bench here, like now go play this game. Yeah. You know, you want to get them involved in the games that um, they could have been developed in, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a manager. Obviously, Oli knows a lot more than I do, but to me, it just seems very strange, and it's not something I would have predicted for that game. And you saw with Sancho's chance in the Everton game, just completely scuffed it. Like, if he was at Dortmund right now, that would have probably been buried. Like, yeah. Just not comfortable in his own skin and man you, maybe, and just nothing. That's when you make a signing like that, that's what, that's what he's there for. He's, right. You're in a great spot. You got to finish. But maybe his confidence is just down. Who knows? Yeah, if he was at Dortmund, he'd have like six games at least now under his belt for this season. Yeah, maybe some Champions League games. Would've, like he would have finished. What, yeah, he would have been way more informed, right? Oh yeah. Only other thing I want to talk about Champions League. <laughs> yeah, I think I know who's this coming. Share share the boys. Oh. Top of the group with Real intern Shakhtar. Man, so amazing. Crazy. That. <laughs> 
I saw the. I, call, I told you. You did. Win. You did. I caught the highlight pack for that game, and like, thank God I did, because oh like, gosh. I don't know the stats of that game, but it had to at least be like fifteen chances on goal for for uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid I think yeah. I had a. Uh, they had thirty some chances. Yeah. I think. Uh, I forget, I don't know if it was eleven or fifteen. I think some somewhere around there chances on target, but wild. Yeah, just. You have one of those games, like this, the games you dream about um, when you're an underdog going to go play against a massive team, and the fact the fact that they score first and then Real Madrid, yeah, 31 shots, 11 on target, yeah. like 76 percent possession, 705 passes for Real, 237 for Sheriff. Um, it's one of those games, right? You know, you score first, and you're thinking, all right, we got the goal, and then you get scored on. And that's, you know, where I think the the true character of the team comes out to go ahead and then get it tied up against a team like Real, where obviously you're still a big underdog. And then Sebastian Bill with the goal of his life. I know what um, a way to win it. Yeah. With just the volley. Um just we're watching a little replay of it here, just from outside the box, one step <laughs> left footed outside, just oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's goals, goal, goals you dream about. That's a dream, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like half man. volley. Just perfect. I don't even Literally know how many times I watch that replay, but... Good yeah. for them, man. Good for them. Oh, and so I, we, that, that goal is going to get signed somewhere, too. For yeah. sure. I don't know who the goalie is, but he's going to get signed somewhere. He's going to have to after that performance there. Yeah. He played so well. And I mean, I know they got like destroyed in every stat possible, but... Um, 13 corners yeah, I mean the goal, that goalkeeper stood out for me a lot. He played, yeah. he played really well. So shout out to Sheriff and the Moldovan League. <laughs> Everyone is rooting for like, yeah. the lesser story. The lesser story. Oh, yeah. But it's in Champions. I know that's, that's great. That would be amazing. Like you I mean Moldova is Moldova. Like you win the Moldovan League, you might get like ten million dollars and like a cow or something. But like <laughs> you progress in Champions League, like yeah. that's huge. I think it's probably more money than they would actually get from winning the the title right. there. I think. Like those two wins are huge. I, who do they play next? Are, do, is there a next game with Shakhtar or they have Inter next? They beat Shakhtar already. Okay. So yeah, they win. <laughs> they gotta gave themselves a chance. Seriously, you know, yeah. right here. Yeah, they play uh, at Inter at the San Siro. Okay. End of October. So tune uh, in for that I, game. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure, game, boys. Uh, just to round out Champions League. I mean. 5-1 win for Liverpool against Porto. Uh, not much to really comment about it, to be honest. Uh, it's just It was an onslaught from, yeah. from the get-go. Yeah, comfort one for them. Yeah. Um, the only note I'll make is that the goalie that played for uh, for Porto here, newly promoted guy from their B team. Um, this is his first you know, big test of like the first division, like playing in, in Portugal in the first division. Obviously, we're playing in Champions League. 22 years old, young kid. He made a few mistakes that really yeah. cost them. He played a little sketchy, I might add, but he also came up big at some points too. So Diogo Costa, hopefully he gets a little bit better and a little <laughs> more confident maybe in his play. Um, but I mean, Liverpool just, you know, they sniffed that out real quick that he yeah. was probably like a new shaky goalie and um, they were taking shots from everywhere on this kid. Yeah. Which, which to me, it's nuts. And I know everyone's at like a different spot in their career. Just like Donnarumma is like the same. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that kid came from. Yeah. <laughs> just starting from Milan at 16. He's like, 
the guy at Italy. <laughs> just, you know, doing yeah. his thing. Well, he's finally getting a shot now at PSG, too. Yeah. Hopefully. He played. And it was it was nuts. And it, I think it goes to show, like, great, whatever they did at Milan, good on them. Because he just comes in, like, for a PSG game against City. And just, like. Yeah, cold. Eh? Like, you know, just cold. Just, like, hey, just do your job. Yep. <laughs> just no intimidation. Just nuts. Very good to have. All right, guys, let's get into the the real stuff here. Liverpool, Man City. Oh boy, biggest match of the season so, so far. Yeah, so yeah. far. Almost had a twin moment there. Yeah. <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far, so far, absolutely. And you know, it could be a, you know, you can always say you know this is a telltale sign of what could happen this season. Um, but then again, Man City were how far down in the table last year at Christmas and came right. back in. Went on a win streak, but um, it, it made for a really exciting game. Both teams, I don't think, were anywhere close to their best with you know all the mistakes that were happening. Uh, first 30 minutes, there was almost nothing going on. Yeah, it was a bit of a stinker. Of chances, yeah. And then you had, uh, I think, one hard challenge that came in and kind of livened things up a little bit. But... Yeah, it just it got really, really interesting in the second half with a lot to talk about with VAR. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to touch on that. So I want to hear what you guys think. Milner, red card. Well, second yellow that would have led to a red card on Bernardo Silva. Oh, when he stuck his leg out there? Yeah, when he just dangles his leg out. Yeah. Um, at that point in the match... I mean, enough times already passed after getting his first. Yeah. Where I think, I think the referee could have easily given it to him. Like the way that we saw it too. Like so, he got the yellow card in the forty-second minute. So it was in the first half. Right. And clear yellow card, just ripping yeah. to the ground. And he's fourteen years older than him. The second foul that took place was probably at least halfway through the second half, maybe maybe in the sixty-fifth minute, somewhere around there. Yeah. To me, that's a that's a clear second yellow. Yeah, I mean to stop the progression like that abruptly. Yeah, this thing Bernardo Silva like cut between two players. Yeah, and he was like out like completely out of the play and just stuck out and like he tripped him on for like it was yeah he stuck his he stuck his leg out wasn't no attempt on the ball clearly stopping a cat like a break yeah in the other team's final third and that's already coming off him getting lucky in the first half yeah not picking up you know a yellow and a penalty or possible penalty. Yeah, with Foden. Yeah, with Foden little, the first like, there. So trip thing there. From that point, he was kind of already under the radar of the referee, and then for him to pick up a yellow card, anyways, in the first half for a separate challenge, plus add this on top of it, I mean, that would have put the game on its head because, like I said, that was probably around the sixty something minute at that point, and um, you know, after that game, it was already one no for Liverpool at that at that time, and then the substitution came on. And, um, I mean, that could have turned the game on its head for sure. Yeah. And Pep, understandably, just livid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It comes off. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was, that was good. <laughs> well, because yeah, for sure, if it's anywhere but Anfield. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah we said that, yeah. It, if it was at City, that's, that call's going the other way. It's so tough. I mean, that's for sure a second yellow. 100%. So, yeah. it's just... I don't know if it's a case of the referee just being intimidated from the home crowd, but like I'm trying to see a reason why it wouldn't be. 
Yeah. You know, if they want to give a red. It had all the makings of a yellow card, so I'm not entirely sure what happened there. So understandably, Pep was pissed. So. Um, so, like we said before, though, the game was 1-0 at that point already. Uh, Sané goal in the 58th minute. Um, followed up quickly just 10 minutes later by Phil, uh, Phil Foden goal. We were talking how Milner had kind of a very exciting game just from his personal account, whether it be at both ends of the field. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he got exposed this match. Oh, yeah. yeah. His age Big is time. definitely showing. Yeah. Which um, was strange because they, they did it well in the first half. Like the second part of the first half, they were just literally flooding the ball to Foden and he was taking on Milner. And it was disaster city for him. The second half, I didn't see it as much. And I'm just curious what happened there. You know, I'm not sure if they overloaded that side or what was going on. But I would have just kept feeding Foden the ball and just having him run it. You know, picking mm-hmm. it up like further back in their third, and then just running it uh, Milner. So I'm not sure where that was, and you kind of saw it because Liverpool started to grow into the game, and that's you know why they got their goal. So you know, not sure what happened. I'm. Not sure what happened in the dressing room, but I would have kept doing that. But good yeah. for it was a good goal by Sane. Mm-hmm. Mane. Mane. Oh yeah, that's Sane. <laughs> yeah, you put oh, Sane. Mane. Mane. By Mane. Dang autocorrect. Mane. Um Mane. Mane. And and yeah. And then uh, Foden's goal. <laughs> that was tight. That was a really tight finish yeah. by him. Um Jesus just draws him, puts it in for him. I thought his touch let him down. I didn't even I honestly thought the chance was gone. First touch taken away for goal, and then he just slides it in. Um, you did think Allison could do better, though, eh? I did, yeah. That one. Just because, I mean, from the angle that Foden took after that first touch that he had, there's no way for him to go but far post. Right. And, like, it's just so frustrating because in my personal case, whenever I try and go far post, the goalie doesn't go in far post. Yeah. And it gets stopped. And that's just like a legit perfect, perfect shot. But Allison even went down for it. Like he didn't go down to his side. He kind of did like the old, old style like hockey goalie, like uh, yeah, hockey goalie save and like try and kick the leg out. But like you gotta be. I mean, as a goalkeeper, you always get told not to get beat near post. But in his case, I feel like he could have maybe started like already leaning to his left, as if he was like gonna go make the far post save. Yeah, because. I mean, like I said, Foden had a tight finish. It was like, you know, two inches inside the post. Like, it was a beautiful shot. But I feel like Allison just didn't do enough to, you know, make it make the effort seem like he was putting it out there to try and make the save as, as well as he possibly could have. Yeah. And, I mean, we talked about our first half saying how, like, stagnant the game was for the first 30 minutes and how badly this game needed a goal. And then within a span of, like, 23 minutes, we had four goals. Yeah. So second half came second half. Yeah, just exploded with play. Uh, whatever Klopp said to the boys at halftime must have really you know gone their heads because they came out as the aggressors in the second half. Um, obviously, Mane scoring only you know thirteen minutes after halftime there, and then Mo Salah gets him back in the game again, gets him ahead. <laughs> I mean, just go- in goal the, of the season. Yeah, in the notes here, I just put Mo Salah, ladies and gentlemen, because that's all you can say. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't see the goal. It'd be hard to explain because of what he ended up doing to create the goal, but just a solo effort, kind of like vintage Salah. Yeah. Like when he made his mark like four seasons ago, whatever it was for Liverpool, when he had like that record-breaking season for them and tallied like 30-something goals, he was just exposing, you know, 
wingers, defenders, center backs, like everybody left and right. Yeah. And I feel like he still does that at times. It still does show, but he is getting up there in age a little bit too. Yep. Mm-hmm. And teams are adjusting to the way he plays and like his pace. So it doesn't happen, happen as, um, as often. Right. But I mean, this was just an act of brilliance by him. Yeah. No, you don't have many players just beat four city players and then beat Ederson with your weaker foot. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the the balance he had, the movement. He turned uh, <laughs> turned Laporte inside. Turned Laporte inside yeah, out really on that, did. and then beat Ederson. Like, um, good for him. Yeah, I know. There's been a lot of people who say he's a a one season wonder. Um, I think you know he came to the Premier League. Um, obviously he was there before with Chelsea, but he came came at a, a different time in his career. When obviously there was a lot of improvement that happened. And I just don't think teams are ready for him. Now, obviously, with him being there for a few seasons, like you said, teams are a little more accustomed to how he plays. But, you know, he still proved that he can be a threat when it seems like there's no chance, really, to create something out of nothing. Hey, I, honestly, I just thought about it. it. It's almost a similar goal to what Eden Hazard did to Liverpool five, four or five years ago. Yeah, it's almost the exact same goal. No, good on him. And we were talking about like his style, the closest thing to Messi. Like I think so. You know, yeah. maybe it would have been Hazard when he was in his prime in Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Mo Salah's kind of taken over that role. I would think. I would say so. Yeah, I agree. Like when you have a player with that caliber, like you don't give him a set position. You just say this is how we're going to play, and then you can kind of go do whatever you want. And we're starting to see that more and more. I think as we watch the EPL, like with players like Son. And like Hazard was like that player with with Chelsea, um, you know the way even Chelsea plays now. Like Mason Mount kind of is that player, but just a kind of rover, like with not really much defensive responsibility. You just go create, yeah, and like yeah. we'll fill the space for you. Like if you get caught out or something, and like to give him that freedom to switch left and right, play up the middle sometimes. I mean, I know Liverpool does that even with uh, with Mane as well, and uh, with Diego Jota or whoever's playing that other role, but. Salah has been able to like, kind of master just roaming the field and creating space for himself with his pace, with his skill. Yeah. And um, it's, great, it's great to see it on display because, like I said, we haven't seen him really break out. And like, his celebration, too, he was like, so powerful. Like, with the celebration, so pumped, so passionate with it. Surprised the shirt didn't come off. Yeah. He has three yellow cards this season. Yeah. <laughs> all three. More, of, is it one more and he gets the uh, game or uh, five? I, I don't know what the rule is, actually. But, yeah, all three came just from uh, celebrations. Um, but, yeah. I mean, like in, in, in the Sheriff match, we talked about the goal scored there in the last minute and, like, what a way to win a game. Oh, yeah. That's the goal that he scored here was worthy of a game winner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, but not to be outdone. By, <laughs> by the KDB... Who had a bit of an off match from our standpoint too? I think. Oh yeah, I think yeah. we're all in agreement on that. Yeah, yeah definitely not his uh, his best match by any by any means. Him and Rodri had a great block. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. but Bernardo Silva was definitely the one carry, carrying the midfield for for City. Yeah, that movie had to beat what was it four or five oh, Liverpool gosh, yeah. players. Put Foden in, which I think Foden could have finished if he did a little chip on Allison. But that run was uh, just goes to show us how how low key good Bernardo Silva is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does his job, but if he gets called to it, he's capable of doing some some pretty impressive uh, things on the field. Yeah, I'm gonna say it now. We're gonna use low key good as like one of our catchphrases. Because <laughs> yeah. we said it, I think, almost every pod. 
Like yeah. LKG, like we call it that or something. Yeah, LKG. Yeah, LKG. Like, LKG of the match. Bernardo Silva's first LKG. Bernardo Silva. I know Foden and Mo Salah both got in the match. Yeah. But Bernardo Silva was just, I don't even know. Not yeah, so level. we'll do that every every week now we'll do that. We'll do like the LKG of the weekend or something. LKG. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right. Just the low-key good player of the weekend. Kind of the unsung hero of the match that stood out to us. I like it. Um, I mean, I feel like just for our personal sake, too, we could call Bernardo Silva every single week because I think that's what we do. Well, it is true because he you never see him really try and do anything that's really far out there. Um, he he just does his job on the field. Um, always really good. You don't see him make a lot of mistakes. Um, but just when he gets called to it, he'll be able to produce something um, when he needs to. So it's actually interesting for me. Um, I know Pep, you know, loves guy. Um, I am a little surprised where maybe he's not putting more of those positions more advanced um, to create stuff around the box um, because that's what City's missing right now. I think. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how he would do in a more advanced role, um, maybe in that top false nine position instead of Foden uh, there. But that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he'd do well. To be honest. I feel like he's Not just sure. he's more he, useful in other yeah, positions he, on the field. Because he started in the front three at City. I remember uh, when he was like on the wings. He right? was on the one of the wings, and he was like, oh, he's pretty good. And then Pep tried him in the middle. I forget which game it was. And that was just, he's like, oh, like this is Bernardo Silva's role. Because he was just such a creator. He could see those through passes, you know, kind of what he did with Foden. So I think that's where I'd utilize him. But yeah, like I said, he was kind of carrying, carrying the midfield for them. But should have got on her red card, obviously. Yeah, he should have yeah. for sure. Unfortunate for them. Um, this game did finish two-two in a draw. A really exciting game. Um, after the first thirty minutes, let's say. Yeah. Just put a little asterisk next to that. Um, if you're watching the game on replay or something, skip to like the thirty-second minute. Yeah. <laughs> Save yourself some time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like, look at the match, uh, match facts from this game, and it's just like literally as tight as it could be, and. That's what we love to see. I mean, like, I'm kind of getting over the games that are, you know, 68% possession for one side and, like, you know, 10 shots to three and, you know, passes are getting doubled, the amount of passes and all this. Look at these facts here from the game. It's literally neck and neck. Yeah. And it showed in the match. It was back and forth. There was times that City did hold up possession and they did do their little tiki-taka on the box. It was a bit of a midfield battle for the first, you know, half of the game. Um, Liverpool also had their chances where they, you know, tried to create as well, like with more possession. But Liverpool is kind of like a run and gun team. Mm-hmm. Like they, like I said before, they kind of play almost like a mid-level team with world-class players because they play that high line. They press like no other team does, like no other big club does, mm-hmm. and they have the caliber of players that can finish because that's like most of the times when like a lower side does do like a pressing uh, pressing play in a game, when they do get the chances, they, you know, might score one out of 10 chances yeah. that the ball gets turned over or like a fast break happens or a counterattack happens. Liverpool plays that style, both Mo Salah up top yeah. and Sadio Mane and like, you know, Firmino and just world-class guys that can score. And when that happens, clearly they can perform and i mean they didn't play like as a lower side obviously in this game but for the first little bit they did let city take it to them and just kind of do you know defended well if they can 
Yeah. But yeah, it was run and gun in the second half from both sides. And even City's goals, they came from, you know, broken plays. They weren't high possession plays. They were, you know, maybe five, ten passes that took place and then they scored. It wasn't their usual mm-hmm. 30 passes and then a pass across the net and someone taps it in. Yeah, I think City just needed a wake-up call and really try and press press Liverpool and catch them in, you know, in their case for City. Thankfully, uh, they were able to. Uh, from my personal selfish standpoint, this is probably the best result that I could have wanted. <laughs> as, a, uh, as a Chelsea fan. <laughs> just with, you know, the way that my team played... Uh, on Saturday. So Chelsea kind of sealed their fate with this one on Saturday with coming with the win against Southampton, three, one victors. And like I said, selfishly, I was hoping, you know, the game on Sunday between Liverpool and city, we finished nil, nil, or just in a draw some way. So that Chelsea can remain up top, which is end up what happening. So perfect weekend. If you're a Chelsea fan, I'm a happy fellow. Uh, just, you know, saying how not trying to foreshadow what I was talking about earlier, but Chelsea coming off two games, like two losses, which I think back-to-back losses is the first time that it's happened to Tuchel since he's taken over since January. Um, they came out this game with kind of a fresh lineup. Uh, ben Chilwell, Ruben Loftus-Cheek making the first Premier League appearances of the season. Uh, Trevor Chalaba starting in the midfield this game instead of starting on defense like he has um, in previous occasions. And they did it again. They put the two strikers up top. It was Werner and Lukaku. This one, I mean, I feel like this way they... In this game here, they kind of did take more advantage of having two strikers up top because they did create a lot more chances. Yeah. In their previous games against City and Juventus, they just, it wasn't working for them. Yeah. I mean, there was just lack of movement. Um, and again, those are two quality sides, Juve and City. When you go against two sides like that, that know how to defend well and that are able to, you know, close the gaps and eliminate space for you to run, it's going to be difficult for anybody. Mm-hmm. A team like Southampton, like I said before, if it's a kind of a side that's not as skilled or not as structured, you can get away with it. And clearly this game was the bounce back that Chelsea needed. They had a little bit of help. Yeah. But this is the bounce back that they needed to um, not get back to winning ways. Yeah, no, it could have uh, went south. Uh, well, not really south, but um, like you said, they did have a lot of help with um, some events that happened in the game. I mean, they also got really unlucky, I think, um, with the goal that got disallowed with uh, Werner at the start. Right. Um, I don't know, just a lot to talk about with with the goal. I mean, we're going to get into a little VAR rant here, but the whole, the whole change of play thing. So you have Azvila come on the side with this foul right here. Which, you know, it is a foul, you know. But is it a foul? I think it is. I mean, you see his, he does clip him there. Um, so, I guess I'm not surprised it was a foul. You know, the fact that it's given, you know, fine. But then they they go down the pitch and a cross gets put in and goes past everyone. Yeah. All right. And they have to keep it from coming in, right? And then the ball comes back. And then Werner scores. And then they call it back for the original foul on Azpilicueta. Uh, so it gets into this gray area of VAR about the phase of play. It's like, oh, a, f- a foul happened in the same phase of play that Chelsea scored on. I think there has to be more conversation around 
when a phase of play starts and stops because I think the whole notion that all because a team hasn't touched the ball yet that it's the same phase of play. Yeah. I think that's not 100% accurate for me because you can still have a chance to clear it all because you haven't touched the ball yet. Yeah. And I think that's what's frustrating about VR because we talked about this and I'll talk about it again because with the Liverpool game, like way back in the day when Liverpool won and basically that was turned out to be the deciding factor in the, in the league. Like Alexander-Arnold's handball goes to VAR, doesn't get called for whatever reason. We talked about how that's what's frustrating. Like, what are you guys looking at? Why is it not a handball? But then they don't, oh, they went and scored. They don't have the foresight to be like, oh, it's the same phase of play. And like the new rule for the handball is like, if it touches your hand, you go score. Like what it was back then, like it's supposed to get called off if it hits anyone's hand. That's how it was back then. So the fact that we're seeing they're not making I guess how can I say it? They're tr- they're making decisions looking at the same screen that everyone else is looking at and they're still making these mistakes and it's so unclear to everyone. I think that's what's frustrating cuz they're they're contradicting some of the rules, I guess. So I think that's what's most frustrating when we talk about VAR. Yes. <laughs> There's no clear cut yeah. like black and white answer. It's literally whatever the referee's mm-hmm. discretion is yeah. on that day. Mm-hmm. And it differs per person. It's It differs per influence. It differs per mindset of like what you think is a foul, what you think is a handball. And it's just it's it's not a fair way of doing things. Yeah. Well, because and even in the Liverpool game, we were talking about how Milner tripped Foden. It was clearly a foul. Or Silva. Or no, Noah when he tripped, when he Foden, tripped Foden, yeah. Foden. The possible the penalty. Box, yeah. yeah. Where, granted, okay, yeah, Foden went down late, but you could tell like he tried to stay on his feet, but he couldn't. He couldn't get the ball, so he goes down, and it sucks for players because now you have to go down. To get the foul, even I know it this is what foul. we've tried to avoid. Yeah, and because I'm, and what's what I'm interested to know is like, would if Foden, because Foden ended up staying on his feet, would they have called it back for a foul? You know, maybe, but probably not. Even though everyone knows it should have been a foul, mm-hmm. but oh, it's outside the box. Ovier couldn't, <laughs> can't intervene. I hate that rule. But but if they gave a PK and then reviewed it and went back and saw it outside of the box, like oh no, it's free kick outside the box. And it is a foul. And it is a foul. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I kind of get why it's like that, but it's still very, very strange. And and like I said, it'd be very frustrating because if Foden doesn't go down, VR would still look at it and be like, ah, there's like not, there's not enough there. there. Which, yeah. which, so you can't have it both ways. You can't put in these rules and want players to stay on their feet when something like that can happen, but you're not going to give a PK for it. Like, what are they going to do? You know, I think one of the things that frustrates me, frustrates me the most too about this particular case is that I this might be my bias, but I personally don't think that was even a foul. Yeah, I think that might have been just like a tangling of legs between the two players, or even just you know the legs getting caught out between the defender on his own. Like it's so hard to tell because the only camera angle that's shown is from like the opposite end of the field. <laughs> like <laughs> it's literally from like Chelsea's yeah. end line yeah. zoomed all the way in towards like Southampton's end. And that's like the one shot that they used. And that's 
I'm pretty sure as far as it goes, like whatever look they're looking at for VAR is what we're also seeing on the TV. It's like very, yeah. that's the kind of good part. Like we're seeing the exact same pictures. They don't have like hidden cameras somewhere where they're yeah. seeing a completely different angle. And I told you guys earlier, like I've seen video replay so much just because of like NFL. Yeah. And their rule there is that if it's not a very concise way to overturn mm-hmm. what was called on the field, then they don't do it. Yeah. Like it has to be like very concise, very clear. If they don't have the proper camera angle and they can't make sure like, oh, like in football, if the ball like hit the ground first or yeah. fumbled or it's incomplete, then they just don't do it. They don't, they keep the play on the field as it was. Right. Which was in this case a goal. This was called a goal. My boy, Mike Dean, is the bar <laughs> official favorite, for this game. Guy. He gets his bald head involved and, you know, tells the referee, go look, take a look at it. I think this might be actual foul. You know, a few seconds earlier almost a minute earlier might yeah. be, i don't know by the time by the time Werner actually scored at least 30 seconds probably yeah the foul took a place. good amount of time so yeah. go back take a look at it this is actual foul this is what i think is a foul what do you think it is yeah having that conversation with the referee on the field and he makes the decision okay yeah it's actual foul and uh away we go yeah i mean the like a cross went in and all because no player on southampton touched it I, I'm not sure that qualifies as it still being the phase of play, same phase of play, because they still had a chance to clear it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Chelsea had, you know, um, they had to keep it in from it going out, and they had to put another cross in, and then they score off that. Yeah. And again, Southampton had a chance to clear. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, I guess, fine print of the rule is where, um whether a team has to touch the ball, but I don't think they do. And it's very, it, that's what I mean. It's very ambiguous because we're looking at it from our angle. One, I was, we were saying, I don't think it was a foul. Everything work looks worse in slow motion. And that's even, a thing too. And even yeah. looking at it in slow motion, I'm like, there's not enough. There's not enough there whatsoever. Well, he didn't, and he didn't go down from as is slightly touching his foot with, that's not why he went down. I was looking at his arm because I thought that's where the foul was when he like pulled him to the ground, but there was not enough there either. Yeah. Well, sorry, we're going to get into that too uh, shortly with Ward Pros here. Um, sorry, do you got anything else to say on that? I want to get into the slow motion thing. Well, no, with- I was just even with Ward Pros with the slow motion, it looks a lot worse in slow motion because you can you pause it at the worst instance and you're not looking at the whole you know series of events as it's happening yeah so it's like hey here's ward prowse with his foot on Jorginho's leg but if you look at it in real time it he didn't go flying in with right his like yeah his studs were up but it wasn't it wasn't like you know some other fouls we've seen where players go flying in you know I can see why it was a red card, but I think it. I could see why he would feel hard done by on that one. Yeah. What about you? Do you think red card? No. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think, like you said, showing it in slow motion makes it look a lot worse than it is. Um, you know, the ball. It was a poor ball into Jorginho, and he goes in uh, to try and make a tackle. And you know, like you said, he didn't come flying in. He's running towards the Geno, sees the ball short and goes and tries to make a slide for the ball. Mm-hmm. And clips Jorginho. 
and you know you i would be very surprised if the if anyone would say you know he was out of control there yeah because he was clearly in control when he was making that slide tackle um he wasn't going in with any excessive force so it wasn't excessive force there was no real like intent to injure or anything like that yeah. it was a very it, the only thing i'm seeing is like oh it, it like and his studs were up but they weren't off the ground no like it wasn't no. even his whole foot it was the top of his the top of his studs on Jorginho's ankle and like and that's what i mean they're looking at it slow motion looking at it in a silo like what's happening it's like yeah but it's not like Jorginho has balls running at you know yeah. the it's a bad pass and they're putting it on a high press and he's sliding from you know you know how many feet away Instead, going in with one one boot, it's not even off the ground. It's, it seems very, very harsh on him to do that. Yeah, and even like that play, that position on the field too. Yeah, like I mean, in at his case, he didn't really out. have to even make the challenge. Yeah, you look at it that way too. But in no way, I do I think that's a red card. Uh, I think the referee on the field again. He was very competent. He made the decision for yellow. I think that was good enough. Mm-hmm. Mike Dean getting involved again. <laughs> Calling over to the to the bar tent and uh, you know taking a second look at it, second opinion. Mike Dean probably made the decision for him because he's pompous. And uh, red card is uh, shown to you know yeah. the captain for Southampton. Uh, not warranted. Uh, coming not not very soon after uh, picking up a goal. Also, yeah. he tied the game. Uh, clumsy challenge by Ben Showell in the box. Yeah. No yeah. complaints about no that. No complaints. One. I mean. Can't be doing that. He got beat easily. Uh, again, like this is his first start in the Premier League this season. I think only his second appearance in in total. So maybe he was a little little rusty. He got beat really easy on that side. But uh, what are you going to do? It's a penalty. Ward Prowse converts on it, and then yeah, the next installment of the VAR controversy comes into play. Um, yeah, I think all around the table here, it's not red card worthy. I mean, and it changes and it changes the whole complexion of the game. You know, you have um. Southampton goes down. They already have like a, a tough game, and now you have to face Chelsea with with ten men. And Chelsea took full advantage as the game went on. And yeah, like you said, like that red card really did change the game because ever since Ward Prowse did score that goal, the flow of the game was kind of in Southampton's favor now. Yeah, and Chelsea was finding it difficult to, you know, continue playing that the way that they were up until that point by creating chances and. I mean, the intensity of the game kind of just really picked up. And it was difficult until, you know, the red card happened. And then from that point on, Chelsea just, you know, put the pedal to the metal and just went, you know, full head on at, uh, at Southampton. Yeah, and your boy got uh, got a goal. Yeah, so <laughs> Timo, man. Timo, Timo. I'm rooting for him, man. I mean, well, so am I. He's, yeah. Well, I know you are because you're biased, but you also get super frustrated with the guy. Yeah. Understandably so. But. I root for him. In, like, spite of him. <laughs> it's, like, tough sense. love to make him better. It is. It is. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's good to see him uh, get on the score sheet. I mean, he works really hard. He's got a pretty good attitude. I'll give him that. He works his ass off in the game. Like, he runs yeah. a lot. And some I, there are times where he does make a run and it doesn't pay off for him where he doesn't get received the ball or uh, something just happens and it doesn't go his way. So I'll give him that credit there. It's just I think it's just lack of finishing. Yeah. Because that's what he was known for coming from Leipzig. He was a finisher. He was a goal scorer. And coming to last year, all that hype was there with him. The price tag was there with him. 
and he just didn't perform. And I'm still kind of still waiting for that team of earner to show up that we thought he was. But if he can contribute in like little bunches, that's fine. We have Lukaku. He's there to take the weight off his shoulders now. Lukaku is going to bear a lot of the a lot of the pressure yeah. that he was taking. So, I mean, if he yeah, if he can you know notch in a few goals here and there. Again, a goal like this is huge, timely. Yep. Eighty uh, fourth minute. Did you guys see the pass that Ross Barkley made yeah, to Aspilicueta? Set the get, set yeah. the goal up. Oh, he yeah. hasn't played, and he comes on and makes a pass yeah, like that. Yeah. Another play. another guy who's kind of been in the weeds there for Chelsea last couple seasons. Um, arguably one of Everton's best players at the time. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, really solid. Him making that big move to Chelsea uh, three seasons ago now. Let's say um, a lot of hype around it, a lot of talk. I don't think he was like the player that Chelsea was looking for. A great addition to the team, but at that point, I don't think he was um, going to receive the same amount of playing time he did at Everton. It's like Everton, he was like the number ten, right? He was yeah. like the playmaker, first guy on the sheet. Um, you can count on him in like big games and whatever. But with Chelsea, you mean you got Georgie, you have a lot of Conte, Kovacic. Like just everyone, you know, filling in that void. So I think he had a hard, uh, hard go. He made it work. He made it worth his while, though, when he got loaned out to Villa last year. Uh, played a lot of games there. Obviously, he helped Villa get, you know, top ten mm-hmm. uh, performance last season. And this is his first, um, first Premier League appearance for Chelsea in over a whole season. And to come in literally in the 83rd minute and then play one of the nicest <laughs> passes you'll see yeah, a minute later to, to set up the goal for Chelsea there. I mean, that's huge. And he was like one of the first guys to jump on the pile too to celebrate. Like he was one of the first guys in there. And, yeah, big um, for him. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to, you know, get it from the boys. And, um, you know, they really appreciate him being back on the side and contributing when he can. And then Ben Chilwell, 89th minute. <laughs> the madness. Um, yeah. <laughs> he made up for his... <laughs> His earlier foul, I guess, by scoring. Yeah, <laughs> strange goal. I mean, tough, tough finish for him. Yeah, bouncing and he, you know does it on the volley. Um, you know he's got to reach with his left with the ball bouncing away from him to put it back towards goal. And uh, this is this is where I really like goal line technology. I mean, this is one thing I think Epel's gotten right because I think if, like even if you go back to you know several seasons ago. You know, I don't think that would have been called a goal. Probably not, no. It you was so I mean? tight. Definitely not called a goal. And, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, good that that gets called. And, yeah, great finish, but crazy, crazy events that led up to that well, goal. Hit, hit, the cross, hit the post, hit the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was post from Lukaku, crossbar pass with the Quetta, and then, like, fading away from the play. He half volleys it from, like, the weirdest angle you'll see. I mean... To hook his body around to make that play, yeah. that's that's crazy. He did that. Yeah. Um, very difficult attempt, but I mean, good effort too by the goalkeeper to get back in the play to try to make the save. But like you said, yeah. VAR finally. I, that's not even VAR. It's just goal no, technology. No, that's just, just, that's that's just the, that's the chip like and the ball, isn't it? Hawkeye. Yeah, I think it's technically called Hawkeye. Or the same technology as yeah. Hawkeye. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's only got. I think it's gotten wrong once with that Villa. The Villa Burnley game or something last season or two seasons ago. Is that the foul of the goalkeeper it from the cross? Yeah, and he was holding the ball and it was in the net. It was like in the net. The post yeah. And it was so. I mean, and I, well, Hawkeye came out and made an apology from that. They're like, that's like a one in a million thing you would get wrong. But 
you know, it's been good, obviously. Well, they got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, obviously been right 99.999% of the time. Yeah. It's not good enough. <laughs> well, it's, it's better <laughs> than when you have Frank Lampard take a shot from half in the Euro Cup and it goes oh, four feet in the net and it's they can't call it because the linesman's at half. Which I don't understand. <laughs> Even back then, like they ha- there's people watching the game. Like, there's there's 80,000 people watching the game. Well, there's 80,000 people, <laughs> but... Even back then, why was there a ref watching the game, I know. watching the replays, and who would see that and be like, "Oh, like I got the angle from behind the net, like you can see us." <laughs> why did they have to wait for goal line technology? Because back then they were extremely stubborn, I think, still, and they were even more old school back then, obviously, than they are now. That was probably two thousand and like eight or something. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was oh eight Euro, I think, or twenty ten World Cup, maybe. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that was. That case in particular, that that blew my mind because yeah. they, they showed the replay a million times, even like on the stadium, yeah, screen. <laughs> yeah. They're showing the replay on like the jumbotron. It's like a fifty foot TV, and uh, oh, the referee just had to look up and say, "Oh, I, I actually went in." Yeah, I can imagine where you're like as a line. I've always wondered that. At, it's like, oh, yeah. okay, I can clearly see that that went in. Oh, it's, oh wow, we missed that one. We really missed that one, eh, boys? Yeah. It's the technicality. They don't have the authority to overturn a call. Don't have the off the jumbo screen. <laughs> they don't have the authority to overturn their own goal. <laughs> off the jumbo ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So that was the Chelsea game. Huge, uh, huge result. Bounce back win. Puts them top of the table. And pending on what would have happened today with the Manchester Liverpool match, that's where they would have stayed, and that's where they did stay. Yeah. Top um, of the table. The other Manchester club involved in the in and play this week was Man U and Everton. They had the early match, I believe, on Saturday. This is always a big game, Everton-Man U. Yeah, you don't say. Might be a game you want to play your two best players in, eh? Yeah, here's your <laughs> moment, guys. We really talk about it. I mean, it's always a competitive match, too, between Everton and United. I mean, they're not, like, historically, I don't think, like, that competitive. But just of recent you know, years, and obviously with the ties of uh, David Moyes and Everton and United. It's kind of been amplified the last couple of seasons in particular. But uh, Everton, they play tough. Um, Rafa Benitez has got the guys playing kind of differently than they have been the last couple of years. He's got some new players this year, a couple of young players, guys that are really stepping up for them as well mm-hmm. in absence of some players on injury. And, I mean, they're sitting in a Europa League spot. I mean, this is probably the tightest I've seen the table in the last few yeah. years between... You know, first and eighth place is only separated by four points, which is wild. And, um, yeah, coming in this match, Everton and United were all square on points. I think they were both sitting in, you know, Champions League points at this point, at this uh, part of the uh, season. So, yeah, yeah, huge game. It's not, you know, it's not a four versus versus 13 match. No. And, yeah, it's a game that you'd want to have your full team up for and your, you know, strongest lineup possible. Yeah. I mean... It is, it is kind of ironic where Martial scores a goal. Um, so you always you always hear how it's like, oh, the sub works. You know, you had the player that might have been benched, arguably, um, if Ronaldo and Pablo were playing. Um, I don't think that argument holds a lot of weight um, because that's counteracting what would have happened if your players were actually playing. Obviously, it's possible to know what would have actually happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really intense match. Um, Martial... Getting the goal in the 
third minute and uh, Cavani having his first uh, Premier League start. Um, good goal by Martial. I think you know he really needed that. He had a lot of a lot of hype coming in, and uh, I remember when he made his first start ever, scored against uh, against Liverpool with you know I think a lot of luck on his side with that one, but still. Um, obviously the last few seasons kind of dropped off a little bit, but hopefully that kind of gives him a boost in confidence where he can start performing again. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think with how competitive the season is now, you can't, and if you're man, you, you're not particularly deep. You have to just play your squad to try and get a champion spot. You just say, Oh, I'm going to do player rotations like Everton, West Ham, even Brighton are way too competitive where you can do a rotation on that team if you're not deep enough to afford that. Yeah. There's no way. You have to go, like, great, you want to rest Ronaldo, you want to rest Pogba, but, you know, I don't think there's no Champions League. It's going to be international break next weekend. You have to play them in this game. Yeah. You have you have to, have to. Because you're going to run into a situation, especially later on in the season, you know, granted, maybe you're saving them for that, but you're going to have a game where maybe you're playing, you know, Chelsea and then in Champions League and then City or Liverpool in the league or whoever it might be. You have to... You Look have at to their f- next round of matches. Yeah. Their next four matches, they have uh, Leicester, Tottenham, I believe Chelsea and United are the next four games. With City? Or like maybe he's playing City? Yeah. 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 Not exactly. that, it's not in that order, but I mean those yeah. four those four teams are the right. next four games, I believe. Yeah, mix and in mix in with, with Champions League. Right. So if you want to be if you want to be competitive in Champions League, and you want to be competitive in the league. You can't just play. You can't do a play rotation against Everton right now. You have to go out yeah. and win that game because you're going to play Liverpool and City. You know, no disrespect to me and you, but probably lose those games. <laughs> so you have to win these games against Everton, and it's not going to look well if you're just putting Pogba and Ronaldo on the bench. You know, if they're fatigued. You're better off them starting the game and then getting taken off and seeing what they do versus going into a game cold because then they have to get adjusted. Even if you put them in the 60th minute, they're going to take 10, 15 minutes to get adjusted to the game and not have much time to make an impact. Unless you're Ross Barkley. Unless you're Ross Barkley and you can ping a pass to the Quetta. I think it's different against Southampton when <laughs> and you also have like a solid group of players around you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not like Ronaldo and trying to carry now all of a sudden he's yeah. the guy carrying the attack right so very very tough yeah but uh and then everton coming with a stellar everton counterattack goal i love townsend yeah he's a sick and player i didn't know i actually didn't know demari gray went from leicester to everton yeah yeah he's there too good he's Finding his feet, obviously, Rafa Benitez. They're having some good managers now. They're I they're don't. doing something at Everton. I tell well, you. they're not because they keep getting new managers. <laughs> well, yeah, they need I mean, Ancelotti's not going to turn down Real Madrid. No, obviously. of course not. And then, but good for them getting Rafa Benitez a little bit. <laughs> I wonder what he's thinking, having coached Liverpool for so long. <laughs> no, just taking them to like. I mean, at Champions that, at that point, I think it's, it's a job, right? So he yeah. just had to take it. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously really good. So they were pro- <laughs> Everton probably didn't care. Though. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, we got this guy. You want to come here? <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, you coached Liverpool before? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I know. The Lloyds can kind of go out the window when money starts talking. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's similar to one. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, well, Mourinho. Basically. Mourinho. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, well, everywhere. But when Mourinho went to uh, Man U, 
I mean, how many times did uh, was it a massive game with Man U, Chelsea, and you got? Or even Chelsea going to Tottenham yeah, too. Chelsea, Tottenham, London Derby, like London yeah. rivalries, like. But yeah, you know it's always good to see. I mean, um, at the end of the day, it's a sport. You know, you're gonna have players and managers rotate. It's always good to see the fans. You know, usually always fully getting behind whoever comes. You know, kind of putting the past in the past because mm-hmm. really, you know, they're there for your team. You know, just they're obviously doing the best job they can. So. Yeah. They're super good and competitive when they're playing against you. Then give them a shot when they're when they're for your team, right? Yeah, there's been tons of like top flight players that have left like big clubs to join other big clubs, like within the Premier League. I mean, like yeah. even Carlos Tevez was City and United, yeah. right? Um, yeah, you know, Fabregas obviously Arsenal, Chelsea, like yeah. Sterling, Sterling here, Sterling, Milner, Liverpool, was, Liverpool to City, uh, yeah, City to yes, Liverpool. Was, I forgot he was on City actually. Yeah, yeah, a little City stint. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, like I said, it's money, and I mean, it's it's opportunity, right? Yeah. Like, who who would have thought that Milner leaving City when he was like as young as he was, going to like you know Villa or wherever? Or I think he went to Villa or West Ham, one of the two. Made a couple other stints here and there. He was at Everton for a bit too. Oh, I think uh, Gareth Barry. I think Gareth Barry made Gareth his, Barry. went from City and then made his return to yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like about players like that. It's like who would have thought yeah. Milner in that case too? Like he's like in his thirties now, mid to late, mid to early thirties. And he's still going strong ish. <laughs> Not at right back. But at a club, right. I'm saying as a club as big as Liverpool, and he's made the impact that he has at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, you know, he probably thought when he left City, like all those years ago, maybe his career might be in the down, in the decline. Yeah. And then he gets a, get a shot here. And um, obviously, he makes it worth his while. Yeah. And yeah, somewhere to Townsend and Gray, you know, making the move. Um, God, I got to give a shout out to Andrews Townsend's celebration. Are you uh, sick? I don't know if you guys saw oh, the, the celebration. Yeah, yeah, he did. The, he didn't pull it off as good as Ronaldo does. Um, to do it in his face, though, was pretty sick. Yeah, I know that's the <laughs> thing, right? Like, obviously, Town said it's tough to compare him to Ronaldo, but I always like to see. You know, you got these players that are, I guess you'd call, you know, I don't say average in a bad way, but you know, if Ronaldo and Messi are top tier, you have your great players, your good players, and you have, you know, your other players. It's always funny to see that <laughs> kind of thrown in uh, in it? the competitiveness of um, the game. Ward Prowse does it like a lot. I've seen him do it like several times. Yeah, yeah. Ward Prowse after he takes PKs or when he takes free kicks, he's a, a free kick. Maybe makes sense. Well, he's a crazy free kick. Yeah, he's good. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more call ups to the national squad. To be honest, um, we got Townsend. He's going. He's he scored some bangers too back in his day at Crystal Palace. I mean, he scored the one against City. City I was going to say this probably. I think that's the best, for sure, the best ball I've ever seen. Yeah, maybe the best goal. Absolute missile. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, what uh, going top cheese against City. I think that was yeah. two seasons ago. I don't think it was last year. I think it was two years no. ago. I think it was three. Maybe three, three. Yeah, it was, it was a bit two mixed seasons of maybe. COVID. I mean, yeah. There's, been, there's been a lot of footing <laughs> sort in his brain. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was a wicked counterattack. I, I put in the notes here. It took 15 seconds from the time that the corner was taken from United until the ball was in the back of the net on the other end of the field. So mm-hmm. crazy counterattack, only between three players. I think it was Decoure, uh, Gray, and yeah. Townsend uh, pulled that off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the celebration was kind of funny, but that's the passion, right? Oh, yeah. That's Love that's huge. Um, <laughs> this game, was just it, it kind of went back and forth like that, I think, from that point on. I put here. There's no late heroics. Straight knighted. Kind of surprised that they didn't pull off some 
yeah, goal some way late in the match. Ronaldo somehow scores. Uh, but I think this game, like I put it, was it deserved a draw. It was it was um, it would have been harsh, I think, for one team to lose this game because I think it was very competitive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if it was like a top drawer goal that was scored, then I I understand. But I don't think you know this game could have finished two two easily. It could have finished three three. You know, I think this was a, a draw from the get go. Drop points though by United because I think they uh, deserve these. Not deserve. I think they would want this three points more than Everton because you know they are going to be fighting for the top uh, top spot here in the Premier League. Everton, they're they're climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're get, they are getting a bit better, but for United to keep pace with the big boys, like they have to start winning games like this. Yes, because absolutely. like we said before, they haven't had a top four match yet. I don't think this season, mm-hmm. or even like a top five match, maybe. Yeah. Um. They. I think they. No. Yeah. They haven't. They. They still have like a run of games coming up that are like I said, crazy schedule. So you know we'll see how they do then. But these are the games that they should have you know really, you know, taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think Man U is going to be more disappointed than Everton right. for the 1-1 draw, even though Everton, I think, had a chance to win it there with that offside. Um, they got called back. Yeah. yeah. Um, Could have gone differently. Yeah, I mean, just a little more. It's one of those cases where I think being selfish there would have paid off because he was in and just did not put it far post, just trying to rip that yeah. you know, side mesh far post. I think right. maybe in a different... Um, well, I know Davies is pretty experienced, but looking at that situation and being able to tell, like, oh, he's off, like, there's no point putting me across. He's clearly offside. Yeah. Um, and just knowing it's better to be more selfish there. So, but even from the goal scorer standpoint, too, like, you got to look at the line there. Like, oh, I, yeah. Well, I mean, Yarimina is not known for his number. Nine. No, he's not <laughs> yeah, number nine yeah. or anything. But like, yeah. he's. So I you, think you still got to just be aware, like of yeah. your surroundings. It's like when you are when you are that left open, or the uh, opportunity for the pass can be there. Yeah, you have to check yourself a little bit. Like but you should I have have a look up. Sam. I actually don't blame Yuri Mean in that position because he's probably never in that position, so I has no idea to check his run whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe I'm being harsh. I don't yeah. know. So that's I would, just that's if a striker Davies, mentality. I'm, if I'm Davies, I'm more like, okay, Yuri, you're clearly offside, <laughs> so I'm just gonna shoot it. And if he gets pissed, it's like, bro, you're offside. <laughs> it's like sorry look at the, look at yeah, the bar like we'll go check the bar out. check the tape <laughs> um last match to get to oh second last match sorry to get to um spurs and villa Tottenham coming away 2-1 victors yeah uh i think this game was huge not just for Tottenham looking for results but for nuno to look for results to keep his job mm-hmm. um coming off three straight losses at the hands of Arsenal, Crystal Palace, and boys, help me out. Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah, there we go. I should know that. Um, I mean, tough games, but still three losses nonetheless. It's it's tough early on like this. Yeah, but a team like Tottenham coming off the success that they've had the last couple of seasons, I think. I think this is a game where he was looking at like, okay, like if I don't pull something out here, this might, yeah. this might hurt me. Yeah. And, like, and going into the international break as well gives them you know ten days or so, almost two weeks to search a new manager if if possible. 
But, um, you know, the boys were able to squeak one out for him. I don't think it was really any of his doing. Nuno's doing. I think this game purely came from the players. Um, we had two one victors for, for Tottenham over Villa. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, like you said, I think if they don't win this, they're sitting, you know, bottom half of the table, you know, 12th, 11th and 12th. And, yeah, it just it looks really bad going into the international break. Um, but, yeah, Son has just been stepping up, and kudos to him, um, especially with all the drama around Kane. Um, still performing well for them, you know, being the guy. And Lucas Mora also, you know, stepping up and uh, getting a goal for Spurs and Son with the assists. You know, I think as we get closer to January, it's going to be more and more interesting to see what happens with Kane. Um, still, I think really up in the air because if he still continues to not perform well, and it's just gonna it's gonna hurt Spurs. It's gonna want to make him leave more. It's gonna want the fans to make him want to leave more. Nuno's not gonna find a place for him. Ownership's gonna lose money on him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> last downward spiraling spiraling. Have cycle. to let him go. Like last last transfer window, they missed their big chance. Because what he's who knows what he's has he even scored this year? No, he you has no. I, mean? I think he's a goal in maybe FA Cup or something or Carabao Cup. Mean? So, yeah, you don't want him to leave. He's not gonna if, and I'm not sure what the boardroom talks were like. Um, but if you're Kane and you're like, hey, fine, I'll stay for another season, you have to be assertive and just say no. I want to leave. I'm not happy here, and the ownership has to be you know intelligent enough to say like, hey, well. Sell you now because if you don't want to be here, you're going to depreciate in value. I will say though, I'm surprised there's not more talk of Song getting trying, getting tried to, getting picked up by someone. Yeah, can you imagine him in a top flight? You know what I mean. I'm 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 confused why City's not looking at him as their number nine. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? I think they've had their their eyes set on Kane. I think maybe. They think Kane can fit into his system more, but honestly, Son's impressed me every season that's gone by. Um, I would like to see how good he would get under someone like Pep, because um, you know, with with him, and I feel like he's a really, you know, obviously his attitude's really good. Um, seems pretty coachable, um, and obviously the work rate's there, so it would be an interesting move. But I don't know. Obviously, <laughs> nothing's ever set in stone, and the transfer window is always full of surprises. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I just feel like a big transfer move in January. I don't see it happening. Oh no! Like for a player like either Son's caliber or Kane. Yeah, Kane will make more sense because, like he said, he wants out. Right. But in his case, he came out and said all the right things at the beginning of the season, like, "Oh, I want to stay here. I'm a spur for life." But if you're going to give that attitude and that mentality, then you got to back it up with your play. Yeah. And he just hasn't done it. Yeah. It's been every weekend, man. Like, he just seems so dejected and lethargic and just seems like he's just given a pissy attitude. And that's not him. No. We've seen how passionate he is when he plays. We've seen how, you know, into the game he gets and how he can rally the boys and he's talking on the pitch and he's England's number one. He's he's the captain of the national squad, so clearly his leadership skills are huge, right? But when you just come into these games and you, it feels like you're not giving your full potential, 
or your full effort. I mean, we if we're picking it up on TV, then it's being picked up everywhere. And I mean, we're just a couple of goofs, you know, talking about it here. And it's getting talked about at the BBC. It's getting talked about on Sky Sports. Everyone's saying, oh, like, what's wrong with Harry Kane? Mm. And he's not really doing anything on his behalf to change our mindset. Yeah, he's going to have to come up with something. Um, I mean, shout out to Holberg for getting getting his goal, um, stepping up where maybe Kane uh, should be scoring. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, obviously I don't think Son's going to leave, um, especially not in January, but anytime soon. But um, I just read he's getting close to signing a new long-term contract with Tottenham. Yeah. Which in their is- case, they hope so. I mean, yeah, because Kane's not doing it. You, you lose Kane and Son, you're—I don't know what's going to happen. And which and like going back to the Kane thing, like, is City going to want him? Yeah, I don't know. They're like, like this is what happens. Like, it's very tough, very very tough. Um, and it's just the value of Son is just going to continue to increase because in this game in particular, it was like every single time any player from. Tottenham got over the the like over half. They were trying to find Son. Whether they're going to play like a forty yard pa- like diagonal pass if they ha- they had to, mm-hmm. or like a five yard pass just to get away from their feet into his, mm-hmm. just to create something. It was every single time, and Son created both goals. Hoiberg scored twenty seventh, and Lucas Mora. They actually ended up giving it an own goal. Um, Mora was basically going to tap the ball in, but the defender slid in there to try and get it away, and they deemed that actually came off the defender last. So it was an own goal for against Villa, but Son was you know at the helm for both both yeah. plays, and Harry Kane just got there. I mean, you would think as a number nine, as Harry Kane, and he's number ten, but as number nine like Harry Kane is, in the way he plays, you would think it'd be him in a six-yard box for the tap-in, not Lucas Mora. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is he just not finding the space? Is he just not? Is his head not in the game? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, compared to Ronaldo where, you know, Ronaldo, no matter what, he's going to be in the spot he needs to be to score, right? He's just that hungry for goals. He's always going to be there. Um, obviously, Kane's not at that level. But, you know, the Kane of old, he would be doing everything he can to be in the right position. So, um, tough to say, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I really hope it just doesn't turn the situation where... Just his value goes down. No one wants him, and he's stuck at a club he doesn't really want to be at. And the fans and the coach don't really want him there. Just to check the record here, I just saw the replay of the goal that Mora scored, or Lucas scored, and Kane was like at the top of the penalty spot. So he made a run. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, Son had the I ball. Mean, he he made the run. Kane uh, continued his run and stopped at the penalty spot area, and Lucas Mora continued his run far post. Yeah. So it actually kind of worked out nicely. But I mean, just for Kane's standpoint, like you should you should be in there, like in the thick of things to try and like you know get the goal. He should be making the run. He should continue the run. I think. Um, but yeah, Son, man, he's he's a hell of a player. Yeah, I mean, shout out. You know, obviously, there's not been a whole lot of uh, Koreans that have come through the EPL, and you know, he's not one of the best Korean players in the EPL. He's just one of the best players that have been in the EPL, regardless. Respect. Yeah, well, shout out to him. Uh, last of the big games, Arsenal Brighton, <laughs> nil nil draw. Uh, Brighton. I mean, this game. Go. This game seemed like 
it was going to be like a firecracker of a game. I thought this game was going to finish like 5-5 <laughs> at one point. Like, I didn't even know what to expect. To come out goalless, a uh, bit of a surprise there. The game was held at Brighton Stadium. At the beach. At the beach. I mean, it was a... It would be a bad day to go to the beach because it was downpouring <laughs> like a mother. Yeah. Uh, rainy day. And tons of rain all through England, through the whole country, basically, on Saturday and a bit on Sunday, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, it was. It was nuts. I, like I said, I talked to you guys. like From Brighton to like Birmingham, it was like raining all day yesterday. Yeah. And every match I was watching was just pissing rain. Yeah. So. Fun fact, <laughs> since we're going on a rant about something not related to soccer. Did you know when it says 60% chance of rain, it actually means it's 100% going to rain, but only a 60% chance of rain in your general location? How hmm. <laughs> How do they narrow, like, I like have my, like no my house is going to get hit 60%? That's the, the question I have. That's what I heard. I don't buy it. I'm not... Like, how can they pinpoint? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely convinced that's actually true. That's BS. Yeah, I think so. Because they say it's... If they say like a sixty percent chance of rain for your whole city, like if you're watching like the, your city weather report or something yeah. on TV, they say like, "Oh, Windsor, it's a sixty percent chance of rain." In sixty percent of Windsor, it's, it's for sure. Gonna yeah, rain. in sixty percent of Allegedly. Windsor, it's a hundred percent for sure gonna rain. <laughs> I'm, I, not sure. I, I'm not buying it. I yeah. actually don't buy it. I still don't buy it because there's no way you can say it's for sure gonna rain. I mean, in some cases you can. I don't know. Yeah. In this case, it rained a hundred percent. a hundred percent of England. <laughs> it rained a hundred percent during the Brighton Arsenal game, and a hundred percent of it, <laughs> or most, or the stadium was a hundred percent covered in rain. That's yeah. for sure. At the, at I the concur. Beach. I concur. <laughs> yeah, it was tons of rain. It was a lot, and it was like, it, I, don't, I love watching that because it's like I miss playing the rain. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's raining!" Like, what a shitty like weather. I love playing the rain. Yeah. Well, that's how I miss my St. Joe's. Miss. Oh, damn it, Joe. in the rain. Don't blame the yeah. rain for that. That was just you. <laughs> yeah. That was just Joe being, being smell in the box. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that game was nil-nil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brighton remained, though, in, in a pretty respectable spot for themselves. Only two yeah. points off of first place, man. Like, this, yeah. is, this is wild. I don't know how Sixth long they can keep it up for. Um, Against Norwich. They got Norwich next. You know, you would assume oh, so that's a win. A win. Um, so, yeah, shout out to them. Can we see Brighton, like, slip into the Europa League? I think you, you know, know it's shout out to them for even being in this position um, where they can fight for that. I mean, you know, they picked up a draw against Arsenal where, you know, if you're at the start of the season and you're looking at that match, you would want to draw maybe with how they've been playing. I mean, Arsenal has stepped up in the last you know few weeks, picking up some points. Um, but maybe they were going to this game, you know, with all the belief they've had, you know, picking up a win. Um, but I, I don't think they'll be too disappointed with a draw, um, especially with the Norwich game coming up. So they could. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. You know, you got Everton. You, you don't know how Brentford's gonna carry their run going. So it's gonna be really competitive for it. I'm excited to see what happens. We'll see because they got they got Norwich and then they got City, Leicester, and Liverpool. Ouch. So we'll see if they. I think if they. Win or draw one of those games, respect and, and beat Leicester. It could be, you know, hey, we're we're here. Yeah, because then after that, yeah, kind of solidified kind of there a little bit. Relatively, relatively easy games after that, except West Ham. Mm-hmm. So you know, you come out of those three string of games with, you know, four or six points. <laughs> you know, yeah, 
I'm just talking about another side that's slipping in the standings. Leicester City coming after another draw. Two points in their last four. Uh, four matches. Tough look for Brandon Rogers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might be another guy kind of in the hot seat if Leicester doesn't pick up their pace here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're, they're another team where we're used to seeing them top five. Right. Yeah. You know, every season, right? Um, they're always fighting for Champions League. But this season, not really sure what's going on. Um, but they're you know sitting 13th right now. Man U next in, on the on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And like the results that they're getting too, it's like it's not against world beaters of of teams, right? Mm-hmm. It's not no. they're playing the top four and they're coming away with with draws and like you know narrow defeats. It's two two at Palace. Um, two two at Burnley. Two two at Burnley. Where's the other ones here? One at uh, two one loss to Brighton. Two one loss to Brighton. Four one loss to to West Ham. That was a shellacking and a half. And then you know, a little game. Uh, game against Wolves is huge because that's a derby match. So that's a big win for them. But other than that, man, they haven't had much um, success. Yeah, I mean, not really sure what needs to change there. Um, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers is a really good manager. Uh, I think it's just one of those situations they just got to figure it out because something's not working. Yeah, at the moment and they got they got some tough games coming up. Man U in the Europa League, and then Brentford, which you know, I guess is a tough game now, right? Yeah, and then it's Brighton, exciting, man. Brighton Arsenal after that, so we'll have to see where they stand. They got to pick up some points here, though, because you know you hate to see Brendan Rodgers go because that's. When he came, what it was two? Did it, how many seasons now? Two or three? I think at least two. two yeah, like, two. Did, yeah, did very well. Both done very well. I know they narrowly missed out on Champions League last season, but he's done very, very well since coming here. Yeah, for sure. So you want to see him stay? So we'll have to see. I know every team kind of goes through this. They have a rough start. You know, Man U's had a while ago. City's had a while ago. So we'll just hopefully they give him a chance. I know the ownership's really good there, so they probably will. You know, obviously they're not going to get relegated or anything like that. No. But so. we just we look at Leicester as a top side now, yeah. yeah. So we expect them to be you know top five every single time. Maybe they're finally coming down from earth, coming down to earth from where they were a couple of seasons ago, and obviously with winning, they've been like you know on right cloud nine. High, yeah. yeah, they've been nuts. So maybe we're finally seeing the decline. You know, players are getting older. Vardy's getting older. Mm-hmm. He's not really losing a step though. He keeps scoring, which is great. But um, maybe they're just not putting the players around him like they used to have. And, you know, other teams around them are just getting better. Yeah. Like, look how competitive the season is. I know we keep talking about it. Last week's our whole podcast was about it. Just how competitive the league is in this particular season. And you know, I'll reiterate it again. Like, the table. Chelsea, first place, 16 points. Tottenham, eighth place, 12 points. Yeah, four like, points. Separating all the teams, you know, still a little early. with seven games in. But yeah, you usually don't see this. Yeah. Um, usually, it's more cut and dry. I love it though. I know it's great. I it's absolutely great. love it. I mean, if it was if it was Chelsea seven and zero, and they were like twenty one points, like twenty one points in no, the, no one, in the no game, one like that. No one would like that. Eh, some people would like that, but I'm saying like, it, it, I like how it's so. That, I like how it's this tight. Yeah. If Chelsea was down by one or two points, I wouldn't mind it. I love the competitive of this league. Um. It's something that we've been looking for for a couple of seasons now because it has been a bit of a runaways with City yeah. and Liverpool the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's just great to um, have this uh, have this competitiveness in the league. 
some teams weren't able to be as competitive this season, and some teams also haven't been able to get the results that they're expected to, and in doing so, they have to uh, create changes. Watford sees uh, the first firing of the season in their manager, Cisco Munoz. Uh, He was hired last season to help Watford secure uh, their Premier League status, Yep, and he was able to do so. Um, I think they just finished, you know, just outside the relegation zone, maybe like 14th place or something, 13th place. Yep. But coming into this season with, you know, a new transfer market and more backing from the club and supporters, he kind of promised to be more competitive this year and finish in a top 10 spot. And the season starting off the way that they have two wins, one draw, four losses. I'm uh, not really getting many goals, getting many goals against. Yes. Um, just super unfortunate to watch them because I you know Watford is another team that was like always exciting to watch when they were playing, and uh, I mean it just sucks to see a relegate to see a manager get sacked like this this early in the season. You never want to be the first, no. But I feel like you know he might maybe go back to to Spain or go back to Portugal and you know work with some clubs around there and get more experience because he's a newer coach too. He's a young guy, I think he's only about fifty years old or forty sorry forty something years old, mm-hmm. and. Um, Watford was like his, the biggest club he's been at so far. Um, he had a stint in, um, I think in Russia somewhere for a little bit, and I might be completely wrong here, but he had a small coaching gig somewhere else and made the big jump to Watford like last season. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but hopefully Watford can pull themselves they out of it. The, probably the toughest schedule I've seen. Oh, do they? Yeah, what Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, Arsenal, Man U, Western Chelsea. Seven games, and then City, and then City, <laughs> <laughs> and then Brentford. I mean, I I always think clubs are way too quick to fire managers. Um, but when you haven't played any of the big guys yet, and this is how you're playing against clubs that you should be matching up with, caliber and skill yeah. wise, that kind of shows you like where you're at in the table. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. I mean, in this case, it might have been warranted. Um, I mean, it's it's always tough, right? Like, I think I think the easy move is to always fire the manager, um, but a lot of times that is what makes the biggest impact and transforms the team, uh, and it's one of the only things you have immediate control over that you can change right away. Um, so yeah, in this case, I think it might have been warranted. Um, I would like to see clubs hang on to managers um, a little quicker. Like, it's sad to say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Lester lose their next few games and Brandon Rogers is gone. Mm. You know, you could justify it. But then again, like, look at everything he's done for the club. And if you want your team to really develop super long term, you know, I think you have to keep your managers through like a really tough season instead of just letting them go, trying to find something new, you know. Maybe it's one of those things you have to sacrifice some short-term success for the long-term benefit of the club. Um, because even like the thing with Ranieri, I think if Lester would have kept him, I think long-term it was a better move than just letting him go, especially the fact that he led them to uh, an EPL title for the first time in history. Yeah. Like, Very tough to let him go after one bad season. Was it the season after they won? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Like very very tough for me to to understand how you can just easy let uh, a manager like that go. Like 
even there was there was even a situation where I think early on in Sir Alex Ferguson career, man, he was doing pretty poorly, and they were thinking about letting him go, and they convinced him to stay, and look how that turned out. Right, you never know. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough to know, but I think just the speed, like in, in the situation with Ranieri, letting him go the season after he just led your team to an EPL title, like, like what else do you want, really? Yeah, you can't let him go after one. I mean, I'm if I remember correctly, I think there was danger of relegation. You know, but still in that situation, very tough. I think you have to trust him and see it out because they did, you know, they were close to relegation. They got out and they won the league the next season. So, you know, maybe they were looking for more stability, but, you know, hopefully they do it right with Brendan Rodgers. They're all, they're very unlikely to get relegated. Brendan Rodgers is one of the top managers in Europe. You know, he's been at Liverpool. So he's definitely the guy they need. So hopefully they stick with him because, you know, more than likely a team is going to have a bad season. So yeah. It's like, are you going to stick with your manager through that? I think. That's very important. I think if you, and I think I forget who it was. I think it was Southampton. Like they had a good manager, but they wanted more attractive football and to compete for the title. Same with Arsenal. You know, sure, sure, Arsene Wenger wasn't winning titles, but he was solid. And they're like, hey, we gotta get rid of him and like rebuild the team. And it's like now you're, now you're trying to get back to that spot. Yeah. So, you know, very tough. I mean, it's the age-old question: like, how much impact does a manager have in the game? Clearly, we've talked about it before saying how the manager is more just like a caretaker, yeah, and they just they're there to kind of control the ego in the locker room. And obviously, not everyone is a a master tactician, and not everyone is a super motivator. But that's the team strive for and to mm-hmm. get. Does it translate that much on the pitch? I don't know. At the end of the day, it is just the players playing. And it's unlucky bounces, unlucky breaks. Um, you can get, you can be tied nil nil in the ninetieth minute, and you take a shot, it goes off the crossbar, and that could have sealed your your fate for another game, you know, for another week. It's just it's unlucky. So, it maybe it is kind of like the easy way out by firing the manager, start fresh, doing it at this point in time before the international break. I think it's a smart move if you're going to do it. Um, you don't want to wait too too long, because then the season could be a waste. You want to give the new manager coming in at least the time to, mm-hmm. you know, try and change the culture. Possibly, obviously, he can't change the players yet. It has to wait till January, but uh, yeah, give an opportunity to, you know, feel out the roster, feel out the squad. Maybe give some guys a chance that he might see on the training ground that you know rubbed the manager the wrong way beforehand and they weren't getting a shot at the first team. Maybe you can put these guys guys into play, give them more confidence. Whatever. We're just talking here. Yeah. Um. I'd love to be in that spot. I'd love to be a manager one day. That'd be that'd be pretty fun. Even or even like a scout. Oh yeah, just imagine walk. being like a pro scout. Imagine you're the pro scout that found Conte Mars. and Mares. Imagine that. Found man. Con- credit to I think we mentioned this Lester's. Signing, yeah. Finding Mares and Conte. Just being given the opportunity to like here, here's a here's plane ticket. Go where you want. I know this isn't exactly how it works, but go where you want. Put it for free. Meals are free cars paid for go drive to these training grounds watch all these games and just try and find some talent oh my god it's so much fun yeah one day oh one day you can find the next Conte. that's the dream um yeah as we stated we're heading into an international break we have a mixture of friendlies as well as world cup qualifying all throughout 
affect uh, the world, basically. we got North America, Oceania, South America, Europe, of course. A um, whole slew of games across the world are going to be taking place in the next two weeks. Uh, I think majority of games are starting around uh, midweek, I believe. Um, oh, no, so next week. Oh, where are we going? Here? Yeah, next week. Next uh, Friday, October 8th. Um, looks like the majority of games start then, and last games will wrap up around the Tuesday on the 12th, and then they return to their respective clubs. Um, for our show, maybe we'll... Oh, it's, ne- it's Thanksgiving next weekend. Yeah. Damn. Uh, maybe next show might be postponed to maybe a Tuesday night or something, or... We'll figure it out. <laughs> some other point in time, but we'll get it, we'll get something out to you guys. Um, I know Canada's playing on the Sunday. Could make another live stream, but... go. We'll see how that goes. Sunday night's not gonna work. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll get something out to all the footy fans. Yeah, we'll 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 put some content content out there. Maybe just like a quick, you know, top ten list or something, or just uh, some, some, some maybe something that's not even footy related. I don't know. We'll have to talk behind the scenes here. Are right, you guys all good? Good. All good. All right. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the show. You can find us on Twitter at footy underscore fans p-h-a-n-s the audio version of the podcast is also posted up on youtube you guys can find that by searching footy fans as well i want to thank everyone for joining we will be back next week covering all of the week's action ciao everybody bye everybody ciao